Hey there, and welcome to Coordinating Chaos with the ADHD Lady. I'm your host, Amanda, and I am so glad that you joined me today. This podcast is for neurodivergence by a neurodivergent. I'm an ADHD coach with ADHD and ASD, and I am here to help. So let's spend some time together now and maybe learn a few things. Hi, friends, and welcome back to another episode of Coordinating Chaos with the ADHD Lady. I'm your host, Amanda, and this week on the podcast, we're going to be talking about cooking and ADHD and why that's so freaking hard sometimes. But before we get started, don't forget to visit the ADHDlady.org to check out my upcoming webinars and groups. Are you ADHD or autistic? Then you'd likely benefit from my social skills course. It's an eight-week group that gives you first-hand experience. And if you're interested but don't feel like taking the eight-week course, there is a weekend webinar. And don't forget, Neurodivergent Mind and Body starts again May 2nd. Now let's dive into today's episode. Let me paint a picture for you. You have just had a very long day at work, and that has used up a lot of your executive functioning. You come home, you know that you need to eat something, but you look at all those ingredients and it just feels like it's too much. It doesn't feel fun. It doesn't feel exciting. It just feels like work. And you just had a whole day of that. You know what feels like less work? Picking up that phone and calling Domino's, or even better, just going to an app on your phone and having that food delivered. This is a common experience for a lot of folks who struggle with executive dysfunction. Yep, I'm talking to you, ADHDer. Unless cooking is a hyperfixation or maybe it's a special interest or hobby for you. If you're struggling with really bad executive dysfunction, the idea of cooking a meal can feel like a bigger chore than getting out of bed. And the irony of this all is that that food would actually help with improving some of that executive functioning, but usually ADHDers forget to eat. And if you're autistic, you likely don't even know when you're hungry until you're starving. ADHDers also have other complications with their relationship with food. Binge eating disorder is really common in the ADHD community because we often eat out of boredom and not when we're actually trying to listen to those hunger cues, and that can make it really complicated to have a healthy relationship with food. And then you throw in the complexity of actually preparing that meal, and it just feels like it's all too much. So let's talk about why those steps are hard for us. One. Think about looking at an actual recipe. Guys, <laughs> ADHDers have a hard enough time following directions for things that we need to do, let alone sitting back and looking through a recipe. And if you're not good at spontaneously throwing random ingredients together, you may feel like you need to follow that recipe. And then, again, we're back to that feeling of, ugh, this is too much work because it takes a lot of brain power to sit there and remember those step-by-step instructions to remember, shoot, what ingredients am I supposed to put together right now? So what do we do? We keep going back to that recipe and looking at it and going, okay, yeah, I need the garlic powder, the onion powder, and the paprika. Cool. Garlic powder, onion powder... Shit, what was that other one again? And then we go back to the recipe. Does that sound familiar, friends? It, it might. It might. 
especially if working memory is one of your bigger struggles as an ADHDer. So remembering the steps is part of that complexity. But the other part of it is just the sheer amount of steps that our brain sees. When you have executive dysfunction, your brain doesn't approach a thing and go, oh, yeah, I've got this. I'll do this, then I'll do that, then I'll do this, and look at me go. Man, I wish it were that easy. Sometimes it is. This is, you know, not to overgeneralize here. That's not going to be your experience all the time. But for many of us, we look at the task of cooking that meal. Let's say the meal is spaghetti and meatballs. Our brain sees every step of that. It sees us having to pull out all of those ingredients. If we're making that sauce, oh my gosh, that's a whole nother thing too. So you got to get the crushed tomatoes. You got to get the tomato sauce. You got to get the the salt, the sugar, the Italian seasoning. You also got to get out the meat to make those meatballs. You need to get out those breadcrumbs. You need to get out the spaghetti. You need to get out the pan and the pot. All of those things are so many steps that our brain is seeing simultaneously at once. They're not, our brain is not seeing it linearly. They're not just sitting there in a nice, neat little order. We are nonlinear thinkers. We think in the past, present, and future all at once. So our brain sees every single step of it because we're not seeing it in that single linear pathway of, okay, first step, I'm going to start boiling some water. While the water is boiling, I'm going to go grab the other ingredients, and so on. If your brain is just seeing every single piece of even simple meals, then the idea of cooking even a simple meal feels like a lot of work. Whereas clicking a few buttons from your phone to get DoorDash delivered and ordering again the same thing you ordered last time because then you don't have to do any work of finding a place... Yeah, that feels a lot easier. Then we get into the cleanup barrier. So let's say that you do decide that you're going to cook because let's face it, you know, I don't know a lot of people who have the money to just eat out every night. So we know that we need to feed ourselves. We're going to try it. We're going to try to cook that meal. And then you walk into that kitchen and you're like, I didn't do the dishes last night and I need those three pans. Again, that's another barrier for our brain. We're just starting off in overwhelm. And then let's say your kitchen is clean. You don't even have to worry about doing the wiping off of the counters and, you know, emptying some of the sink to go and make that spaghetti and meatballs. But another thing that your brain might see, because we see all the steps, is the cleanup afterwards. And your brain might go, "Mm, well, I mean, if I got to make a you got to have a pot for the spaghetti to boil in, and then I need a, a pot for the the sauce to cook in, and then I need a pan to fry up the meatballs. Ugh, that's a lot of dishes. And then I got to use the dishes that the food gets served on. <sighs> it's going to take me a good 45 minutes to clean all this up. Now, cleanup might not actually take you 45 minutes, but when your brain is feeling overwhelmed, think about the tasks that you love. Doesn't your brain usually think that, oh, that was only five minutes, and then it was like actually three hours on TikTok, where when we don't really enjoy a task, our brain tends to think that it's going to take a lot longer than the task actually does. Think about folding laundry. How long do you think it takes to fold your laundry? Yeah, 
That's what I thought. So when it comes to cooking, if your brain is not excited about cooking, it's going to feel like a big chore. And then, as far as the actual chore part of it goes, the other reason why ADHDers really struggle with cooking is that we don't clean as we go. Now, I am a big, big, big advocate for the idea that neurodivergent strategies work for everybody. But there is one thing that I will give to the neurotypicals because when I do this one thing, it does make my life a lot easier in the long term. Clean as you go. I hate that it works, but it does. It really, truly does work. But let's talk about why that strategy is really difficult for ADHDers or anyone with executive dysfunction. Your brain is putting in enough work to do the task of actually cooking the meal. Doing additional tasks in between is just an added challenge. Our brain sees all of those extra steps then too. If we're saying, all right, I'm going to cook and clean at the same time, our brain's going to go, wait, hold on here. Hold on. Cooking, that's that's enough steps to begin with. Let's let's do that first and then we can get to the cleaning. It feels overwhelming. It feels like too much for us to do both. And usually our brain separates those tasks anyway. So our brain sees cooking and our brain sees cleaning and it doesn't see them together unless you were raised to do those things together. If you had parents who didn't clean as they go, they just cooked and then they cleaned up afterwards. Your brain is going to struggle to implement those things together because it didn't learn how to do that. But that's the cool thing about neuroplasticity, friends. Neuroplasticity is our brain's ability to form new neural pathways. So what does that mean? That means you can teach an old dog new tricks. So we can learn how to do these other strategies, how to clean as we go. But the one thing that we have to kind of be mindful of is Making sure that cleaning as we go doesn't become too much of a distraction that pulls us out of cooking and then our dinner's burnt. That might be another reason why you don't clean as you go when you're cooking. You might have tried it before and then gotten too distracted by doing the dishes and completely forgot to stir the pot of tomato sauce that you were making and then the whole bottom of it burnt up and then you had just buttered noodles with meatballs instead. No, I'm not a mind reader. I'm just an ADHD or two. I get what your struggles are. I know them because I've experienced them. But I've also found ways to help myself not have those struggles anymore. Does this work 100% of the time? No, I still have executive dysfunction days. I have to be realistic, meet myself where I'm at, know myself, know what I'm capable of and what my needs are. Radical self-acceptance, friends, it helps so much with problem solving and pushing us forward to where we want to grow. Because growth starts right here, right now, not where you want to be in five years. It starts from this next step forward. So how can we make cooking a little bit easier when we do struggle with ADHD? Number one, make it fun. Do you have a favorite meal? Try making that in your own kitchen. Instead of going to Domino's for pizza, try making a pizza. 
grab a crust, grab some sauce, and make it yourself, you know, if you really love pizza that much. For me, one of the things that gets me really excited about cooking is making stuff that my great-grandma used to make me when I was little. So one thing is palachinkin, which is an Austrian crepe, basically. And you have to really, really um, make sure that the, the batter is nice and thin so you get that thin pancake. And then I usually fill it with some apricot jelly. Oh my gosh, it's so good. Top it with a little bit of powdered sugar. But that, that gets me excited about cooking. Doing things that have connection to my heritage gets me excited about cooking. Also, I really love the show Chopped. So when I can kind of gamify dinner, that makes it fun and exciting too. So one of the things that boyfriend and I like to do is we order HelloFresh, which is another strategy. Using a meal planning service like that where they make the decisions for you, they send you all the ingredients, it's all prepared already. All you have to do is sometimes cut up some of the veggies and then do the actual cooking portion. It really does simplify things. And also, if you're a person who struggles with decision paralysis, having that company make the choice for you really helps. But one thing that boyfriend and I will do is sometimes we follow the recipe. Sometimes we're like, all right, I'm excited to try this new thing. Let's see what we, what we get when we try it out. But because I love Chopped, what I will do sometimes is take those ingredients that they've given me and try to make something different using my own seasonings and putting my own twist on things. But it's also nice to know that I have the choice between those two, that if I really wanted to, I could just follow the recipe that they've provided. All the ingredients line up perfectly with that recipe. But if I want... I can play with it. I can use those ingredients to do something new and magical and fun. Novelty, that's a huge tool for when you are an ADHDer, especially for task initiation. And challenge, you know, is another motivator. So if we're doing something fun and exciting and then we're making it challenging by saying, oh, well, I can only use these ingredients, hmm, that can make it a little more engaging to cook that meal. But eliminating the amount of choices that we have if you are a perfectionist and you struggle with decision overwhelm because you want to make the right choice, or if you just struggle with decision overwhelm, you don't have to be a perfectionist for that. But a lot of times, there is a little bit of a crossover there. That's one of the things that I teach in my perfectionism class is about how decision making is sometimes affected by our own perfectionism. But anyway... If you struggle with that decision overwhelm, it can be really helpful to not have to make a lot of decisions. (laughs) So another thing that we do in our household to help with avoiding decision overwhelm is we have assigned nights for who cooks dinner. One, it helps with the fairness battle that my autism loves to have all the time. But two, it actually does make it easier on both of us. Remember, we're an all neurodivergent household. We have a lot going on. (laughs) So having set nights really does help us because what we do then is on those nights when it is your night to be responsible for dinner, you get to choose what you're going to do. If you want to do an easy meal with minimal steps, that's fine. If you want to order dinner because you don't even have it in you to do the easy meal, that's also fine. If you want to pull out one of those HelloFresh recipes and go crazy and have some fun with it, totally fine too. But what you're not going to do is bug the other person and say, hey, honey, what do you want for dinner? 
That's a question that both of us cannot stand because we've spent the rest of our day having to make other choices. And the last thing that either of us wants to do is make a choice about what we want to eat for dinner. So to help with eliminating some choices throughout the week, we take the pressure off of our partner. If it is his night to cook and he decides, oh, I'm going to order dinner, he's also not going to say, hey, honey, where do you want me to order from? He knows what I like. And he will pick from one of our regular places something that I like. Or he'll order something for him and something for me. That's fine too. Same thing when it comes to actually cooking that meal. He knows what I'm allergic to. Heck, he is the best at knowing what I'm allergic to. Seriously, honey, if you're listening, I love and appreciate you so much for that. Thank you so much for avoiding the sesame seeds. <laughs> a little inside joke. You know, he just doesn't want to kill me. And that's, that's just so nice. Yeah, a bare minimum requirement, but you'd be surprised. Anyway, I love him. I trust him. I know that he's not going to go sneaking food allergies into my food, but also he's not an idiot and knows what I'm allergic to and knows what's going to kill me and doesn't play games with that. So when it comes to him deciding what's for dinner, I know that he's not dumb he's going to pick something that is going to work out for dinner. And it's not going to put me in the hospital. Because, oh yeah, that's something that uh, you guys probably don't know about me. I'm allergic to a lot of stuff. I have uh, EDS. And as part of my EDS, I have mast cell activation disorder. And what that means is my body decides randomly what to be allergic to. And then what not to be allergic to. It can shift in and out. And that's just insane to me. But the thing that I, I don't play around with is if I did have something that was a severe allergy at one point, even if that allergy falls off, I'm still not touching that again just because I don't want to take any chances and boyfriend is fully on board with that. The cool thing is some of the lesser allergies have come back. So like I used to be really allergic to rice. Well, not really allergic. It wasn't an anaphylactic reaction. But like I got sick to my stomach when I had rice before. But at about the seven-year mark, I got rice back, and that's really freaking cool. And that also <laughs> makes our life a lot easier because boyfriend is part Puerto Rican, and he makes bomb Spanish rice. Also, there is this Spanish place in the center of our city, and it's like one of my favorite places to eat. Literally, I could eat there three times a week. More than that. Probably more than that. Okay, moving on. So yeah, we want to eliminate decisions. So what's another strategy then? Let's say that, you know, eliminating decisions, it still feels like too much. It's okay to cut out steps. You don't need to have perfect nutrition right off the bat. If you are feeding yourself and that's where you are right now, that's enough. So if feeding yourself is making sure that you at least have a bowl of cereal, good job. If feeding yourself means that, yeah, maybe you are ordering that food because you, you don't have any more in you, that's fine too. But if you're trying to build up from there, a thing that we can do is try to find one pan recipes. So this is one of the ways that I got back into cooking. I tried to minimize the amount of work for myself afterwards and during. So a lot of crock pot meals, Chili's a really good one because I can just open up a few cans of beans, a few cans of tomatoes, and then um, I usually throw a little bit of quinoa in with that water and then the ground beef and those seasonings, and boom, done. It's one pot. I don't have a whole bunch of dishes because I wasn't sitting there chopping all kinds of stuff up. 
and it does the cooking for me. As long as I get it in at a certain time of day, I'm good to go. There are a lot of great one pan oven dishes that are available on Pinterest that it takes, you know, 30 minutes to an hour for a lot of them, but the actual prep time is like 15 minutes. And then again, you have maybe the thing that you cut up those vegetables on, and then you have the pan. You can use paper plates to actually serve up the meal. Know where you're at. I know that so many of us, we care very deeply about the environment, about our impact on the environment, but if you can't feed yourself, then having, you know, paper plates versus a dish that needs to be washed, that's not the bigger problem right now. Getting you nutrition is more important right now. We can build up to becoming more environmentally friendly as you continue to build those pathways, but you got to meet yourself where you're at. Let's say you do want to start trying to eat a little bit healthier. You know what's really great for that? Salad kits. Again, it's a lot of single-use plastics. I get it. It's not the most environmentally friendly thing. But if that is where you are on your journey, if you are sitting there saying, I really do want to eat better. I want to get more well-rounded nutrition. I want to start having salads. I like salads. But the idea of pulling out lettuce, pulling out, you know, I don't know, sunflower seeds, pulling out bacon bits, pulling out the dressing, pulling out chicken, and then cooking that chicken. If that all feels like too much, that is valid. And you are allowed to cut that down for yourself and get a salad kit. Meet yourself where you are. Again, growth starts there. I hope some of these tips today were helpful and I really appreciate you guys coming on back and tuning in. That's going to be it for now. But if you do want to learn more about wellness and how to take care of your mind and body, head over to my services tab on my website and check out Neurodivergent Mind and Body, which is a group I run with two other incredible coaches. Not only do you get ADHD coaching to help you overcome the challenges of actually implementing this wellness stuff into your life, you know, like how to even initiate the task when you have a hard time getting up for other things that you actually enjoy? How do you initiate the task of getting up and moving and exercising when that doesn't sound that great? That's one of the things that we cover in the group. You get actual ADHD coaching as part of it. You know what else you get? Amazing instruction on fitness, yoga and breath work, and how to do mindfulness and meditation for an ADHD brain. Because yes, that is possible. And did I mention that it's a self-paced resource so you don't have to be present for the lives, but you're still able to watch them for the entire month? We give you a whole bunch of resources to help you on this journey, to help you kickstart it all. And, you know, we start our next session May 2nd. So don't forget to check out that services tab and sign up. And if you're interested in any of my other classes, you can check that out under the webinars tab. There you'll find that social skills class that I was talking about in the beginning of the episode. There is an eight-week course, which is a group class that meets for an hour once a week and gives you a good introduction to those social skills. So if you're ADHD, if you're autistic, this is a class that could be very beneficial to you because it also gives you firsthand interaction with practicing these skills with other ADHD or autistic people who are also in the same boat where they're struggling to form and maintain relationships. If you don't want to join in on the group, which is recorded, you can always catch up. There will be a weekend webinar at the end of May. You're going to learn the same skills, but it's just going to be all jam-packed into one weekend for you. 
like I said, those are available under the webinars tab of my website. And if you have any other questions, feel free to go to theadhdlady.org and press the contact me button to learn more about how to sign up. Thanks again, friends, for tuning in to another episode of Coordinating Chaos with the ADHD Lady. Don't forget to press that subscribe button so that you don't miss any future episodes. And five-star ratings really do help to promote the podcast. If you have any feedback or things you'd love to see on future episodes, you can always reach out to me over on my website, theadhdlady.org, or follow me over on my socials, all under the ADHD Lady. Thanks again for tuning in. This is your host, Amanda, signing off. Oh.